I wonder if those of you who have children and grandchildren or nieces, nephews, do you still tell them the story of the hare and the tortoise? Is that still a favourite? It's still on the uh, on the road to stories that you recite to them and uh, and so on. Well, you probably know it. Uh, the hare and the tortoise had a race, and of course the hare bounded ahead and uh, got quite a quite a lead, and then decided to take a rest. Uh, and then while the hare was resting, the the plodding tortoise uh, came by, overtook and uh, approached the starting line when, of course, the hare woke up, rushed uh, to get to the uh, finish line, but, of course, the, the the tortoise had won. He'd won the race. That's a great lesson, isn't it, of plodding on, persevering, keeping going, uh, not stopping. And uh, And the great question is, how do we keep going right through in the Christian life at whatever stage we're at? It's very easy to go in fits and starts and ups and downs. Uh, how, how can we keep going and keep going right through to the finish line as well, uh, to the end of the race? What will keep us going right through to the finish in the Christian life? It's not about pace, but it's about persevering, isn't it? And uh, uh, there are many pulls on us. We encounter this in uh, uh, in this reading weariness and losing heart uh, and then the opposition and the discouragements that uh, uh, the writer here speaks of for these believers and uh, we can uh, uh, find that well what's going to really help us well here's here's my answer I went to a sports day of one of our little grandchildren, Willow. And uh, she's five uh, in, in year one. That's year one, isn't it? Five-year-olds, I think. And uh, mum positioned herself right at the end of the track uh, facing uh, the runners as they came. So that when Willow ran her race, there was Mum right in direct vision uh, of uh, Willow, and she ran like the wind. She's only got little legs, but uh, they really let move fast. And she won her race <laughs> incredibly, and uh, it was quite a quite a moment uh, for little Willow. But uh, she did so by keeping focused, uh, I think, on her Mum running. Uh, like that uh, towards her mum. Well, how can we keep going in all the troubles of life? Well, I think that's the key, isn't it? To keep our eyes on Jesus. I don't know if you know that old chorus from years and years ago. When the road is rough and steep, what do you do? Keep your eyes upon Jesus. Now that's what the writer is telling these believers in all the troubles that they were facing, uh, that they were to do. Uh, he's reminded them of their own testimony in earlier days in chapter 10. How they uh, were willing to even suffer the confiscation of their property and uh, some of them were imprisoned and they stood by them. Uh, and they didn't think much 
about the loss of property because they knew that they had a greater reward to come, as has been mentioned, and uh, they persevered. You need to persevere, the writer says, uh, so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. And then he talks about the ancients in chapter 11 and verse 2. This is what the ancients were commended for. That's not the elders of the church. Uh, and it's not the uh, the older generation of the church, uh, like me, but uh, he's talking about these Christians of Old Testament days, believers of Old Testament days, who put their faith in the promises of God and persevered. And he gives, a, in chapter 11, there's a, what we call the Hall of Fame. Many, many examples. Noah and Gideon, and Barak, and uh, people like that, who, who uh, and, and many who are nameless as well, uh, who persevered in their faith, in trusting the Lord. Uh, and they were, uh, as the writer says in chapter 12, come through to chapter 12 and verse 1, a great cloud of witnesses. I don't know if you've uh, uh, been watching the... Uh, uh, champion, World Championship Athletics uh, games uh, that have been taking place in Ohio, uh, and uh, there's been a great number of spectators there, uh, spectators who've never run themselves uh, and probably could do with the exercise, but they're up there in the stands and they're, they're cheering on uh, the competitors who look as though they badly need a rest. Well, we've got quite a wind, isn't it? I thought that's the air conditioning, but it's more than air conditioning, isn't it? But uh, keep focused. <laughs> We're to keep focused, fix our eyes on Jesus, aren't we? Uh, that's a great uh, illustration for us. We easily get distracted, don't we, and uh, pull aside. Keep our eyes on Jesus. Well, in the, uh, in the, in the games, uh, I don't know if you picked up that Steve Cram was a commentator of the race, the same 1500 race that he won in 1984, and Jake Whiteman triumphed in and won wonderfully, I think it was on Wednesday this week, uh, in the 1500 metres. What a win that was, and uh, Steve Cram just was beside himself with excitement uh, that he was somebody who knew the pain and discipline of training uh, uh, and then the, the burning pain of competing uh, and exerting yourself to the limit uh, to win that race and that, uh, uh, that uh, psychological battle uh, of getting the lead and getting ahead uh, and taking, taking the tape. And uh, uh, Steve Graham knew that. Uh, and therefore he could identify with uh, Jake Whiteman when he was winning this race. And that's, that's what uh, the writer is saying. There's a great cloud of witnesses. They've run the race and they're urging you on, as it were. But there's one who is the great witness. And he then speaks about the Lord Jesus Christ himself. He is the one that we really need to get our eyes on. Uh, he is the one that we should 
fix our eyes on. And uh, Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. It is amazing that we're called to follow him. And what an honor and privilege it is. I don't know if you can imagine it like this. Perhaps uh, some of you remember, if you're a certain age, you'll remember conscription and uh, square bashing on the parade ground. And uh, uh, I don't know if you remember that, but uh, uh, perhaps that wasn't your uh, uh, lot uh, and your call, but uh, in the army, that that's what would happen. You'd You'd have to... Obey the barking orders of the sergeant, uh, calling you out, the drill sergeant, onto the parade ground, and you'd have to do the marching and keep in line and, uh, uh, and so on. Well, imagine you're there on the parade ground and, uh, all the, uh, soldiers there, you're trying to keep in step, uh, and it's a bit higgledy-pickledy, and, uh, the sergeant major's really getting rattled about this, going red in the face and barking his orders. And then the field marshal, that's the top brass, appears and steps onto the playground. And even the sergeant salutes and is silent before him. Everyone else salutes. And then he stands at the front. says, right men, Follow me. Keep in step with me. Changes everything, doesn't it? When he does that. And that's really what uh, uh, the writer here is saying. Fix your eyes on Jesus. The pioneer and perfecter of faith. Uh, Your version might say author. Uh, If you have the ESV, it could say... uh, Founder, and it's got that whole sense there, the one who is the beginner, the author of our faith, but he's the one who's going ahead for us as well. I like that word, pioneer. It's uh, got the sense of, uh, you can imagine being on a, on a walk or on a climb and, uh, uh, and uh, you're following somebody who's really done it before. Uh, and they know the ropes, uh, and they go ahead. And they say to you then, right, follow my steps. Uh, Put your feet uh, in the uh, places where I've carved, uh, and you won't go wrong. And uh, it's that sense, isn't it, that uh, uh, we have here. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer. Uh, and uh, he's saying, uh, I've made it to the top. Come on up the pathway, following the pathway I've made and follow using the footholds I've carved. And he blazes a cross-shaped trail for us to follow. And he's the perfecter as well. He's the one who completes, who brings us through. We're dependent on him. He's the one who's promised that Yeah, he will bring us right through to his own presence, to his own home, to his own glory. And uh, uh, I love watching those Paralympic games where people who are uh, are not sighted uh, run alongside, uh, helped alongside by uh, somebody, by a sighted runner who, who guides them 
and shows them how they are to run and uh, the direction they are to run. And it's that sense, isn't it? He's the one who is the completer. Not of his own race only, but he enables every single believer uh, to complete. He who's begun a good work in, a will, will, in us will carry it on to completion. I wonder if there's a bit of a sense of it in uh, chapter 6 and verse 19. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner Jesus has entered on our behalf. He's become a high priest forever. We've got forerunner there. It's like the anchor man. In the old days when a, a ship was coming into harbour, it was a tricky uh, journey and uh, uh, to get to the ship, get the ship docked if the sea was rough and the, uh, the currents and the, the wind and so on were uh, contrary, then uh, you needed an anchor man. And the anchor man's job was this, he would leap off the ship with a rope and swim to shore then secure that rope to the shore and then uh, with all the men on board uh, with that rope secured then uh, they could bring the ship safely into harbour. He is our anchorman. He's our pioneer and perfecter. Our author and perfecter of our faith. So let's see what we are to see about Jesus that uh, is to encourage us, that is to keep us going. I think the first thing that uh, I want us to pick out is fix your eyes on Jesus' endurance of the cross. His endurance of the cross, his willingness to take up the cross. It tells us there in verse 2, he endured the cross. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. That's incredible, isn't it? Jesus accomplished our salvation for us by his going to the cross and enduring all the pain and suffering, the agony and the shame and the ignominy and the horror. And it was appalling. And the utter rejection as well. And then, of course, whilst they're on the cross, and you think, well, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane first, and uh, there he had to face the agony of going to the cross. And he cried out, didn't he? My, if, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. But that wasn't possible. There was no other way. He had to go through with it. Uh, and he endured that. He went through to the cross, knowing full well all that was ahead of him. Uh, and then, whilst on the cross, uh, the as, can we say the low point, or was it the high point, uh, the pinnacle of his suffering, the culmination of his suffering was when uh, the darkness came over the land, And he cried out in that darkness, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
as it were, the curse for our sin was laid on him, that curse of being cut off, separated from his father. And that's an incredible thought because he'd been with his father through all eternity past in perfect, glorious fellowship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Throughout all of eternity, God is love. Uh, That love is there within the Trinity. Uh, He didn't need us. Uh, to show that love, to demonstrate that love, or have an object of his love, because Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were in perfect love and fellowship and unity together, forever and forever. Yet here, this suffering on the cross, as it were, there was a tearing apart of that bond of fellowship. And that was so agonizing and so painful, he endured the cross. We can't enter into it, can we? We can peer into it, we can try and understand it, we can try and grasp it. But I'd say to you, as a help to your endurance, gaze afresh at Christ and his sufferings. Perhaps you're going through it a bit. Perhaps you're going through some sufferings and some difficulties or hardships, Uh, perhaps life has been difficult to cope with, perhaps there are family problems or issues, or perhaps it's financial, or perhaps I don't know what you're passing through. We've we've been through a pandemic and uh, the loneliness and isolation that that's brought as well, and the mental health issues that uh, uh, people have endured. And as well as that, we face opposition in this world, don't we? And that can come even close at hand to us even from within our own families or in our workplaces or, uh, or schools or colleges. How do we keep going? Well, look at him who endured the cross. That's incredible, isn't it? That he might wash and cleanse us with his own blood. There's so much of this in Hebrews. Pour over Hebrews. Go through it again. I challenge you. Read through these chapters. uh, Chapters 8, 9 and 10. and, And see what he endured for you. That he might wash you clean. Absolutely clean. Right through to your conscience. I'm amazed at this. There's so much that would weigh on my conscience the wickedness of my heart, the things that I have done. Uh, And yet, he has cleansed me through and through, right through to my conscience, so I can approach the living God and know that there's now nothing between. That's staggering, isn't it? There's two ways to get a stubborn... If you're riding a, a horse, riding a carriage, or you've got a... Uh, situation uh, with uh, trying to move a horse along. Uh, you're trying, perhaps trying to get it into your horse box or something like that. Two ways of doing it. You can either whip it from behind or you can have a carrot ahead. And rather than have the, the whip behind, you put the carrot, attached the, uh, attach the whip and dangle it over its nose ahead of it and uh, it'll move then. It'll follow the carrot. This isn't a whip from behind, is it? 
This is something that is glorious, that urges us on, that motivates us, that inspires us. He for you and for me, that we might be cleansed, that we might have peace with God, that we might know our sins are all forgiven. Even through to our consciences. And then we might be fully fitted for His eternal pure presence in heaven. In the new creation. That's incredible, isn't it? What a mercy. What a grace that's lavished on us in Jesus Christ. He endured the cross. He did that for you and for me. I wonder if you've trusted in him. You're here tonight and have you ever put faith in Jesus Christ? It's not by works of righteousness that we have done. It's not by doing your best or trying your hardest, trying to be a good Christian. You can't. It's trusting in what he has done for you on your behalf. Thanking him for that. Saying, Lord, I trust in your redeeming blood. I have no other plea. And you know, that's got to be our inspiration all through our Christian lives. It's not just at the beginning. We don't move on from the cross. The only way we grow is by looking at the cross and looking at what he did. Never further than thy cross, never higher than thy feet, an old hymn said. And recognizing what he's done for us encourages us to throw off the sin that so easily, everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles in verse 1. The athletes in those times, in the times of Paul, of the times of the writer of Hebrews, it wasn't as far as I know Paul, we don't know who it was, but uh, he's not named. But uh, the, the athletes competing in the races would have run naked. Today they run with uh, close-fitting lycra, don't they? Sheerest lycra. Why? So there's no hindrance. Uh, and so for us, hindrances that cling and uh, sin that entangles, we've got to rid ourselves of, and this can help us when we look at the cross and what he's done for us. So that's the first thing. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on his enduring the cross for you. Here's the next thing. Jesus' joy. Fix your eyes on Jesus' joy. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What kept Jesus going? Never think that it was easy for him to endure the cross. Never think that, uh, well, it was just uh, uh, not too bad for him because he knew uh, that uh, he would get through it and uh, he knew what was ahead. Who, for the joy set before him, he had to set this joy uh, before him uh, in order... Uh, to endure the cross uh, and uh, to be an example for us as to how we are to keep going. 
So what sense is, was it his joy? I think it was the joy of obedience. Obedience to his father. The joy of doing his father's will. Let me just turn you back one page. Come back to chapter 10 and verse 7. And here the writer quotes from the Psalms and he quotes from the Septuagint version. That's the, the Greek translation of the uh, uh, original Hebrew. And he says, uh, and he, he ascribes this to Christ. These words uh, are describing what Christ would do. Uh, so Barclay was right to uh, say, well, that psalm speaks of Christ. Well, this psalm also speaks of Christ. Psalm 40, uh, sacrifice and offering you didn't desire, but a body you prepared for me. And then in verse 7, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And uh, I think the original uh, Hebrew uh, translation would be, I delight to do your will. I'm pleased to do your will. I desire to do your will, my God. There was a delight in doing the will of God, a pleasure in doing his will. And he had great delight in pleasing his father and his father had great delight in him and his obedience. I remember doing various holiday jobs when I was a student and school as well and Saturday jobs as well and all kinds of things, working in supermarkets and working in factories and things like that. But I came across all sorts of bosses as well. And some bosses were easy to work for because they expressed appreciation and commendation where it was due. And other bosses, well, they were always nitpicking and finding fault and always complaining. And they weren't so easy. I remember working for my dad at one point and uh, uh, it was great to work for my dad if uh, and to get his commendation. That really meant something. If I had uh, my dad's appreciation, my dad's thanks uh, for doing a job for him and his well done. And God loves to bestow that on us, doesn't he? And he was delighted in his son. This is my son with whom I am well pleased. There was such joy in obedience and such joy from the Father over the Son's obedience. And so it is with us. We're adopted into his family and we, his joy becomes our joy. And the light of the Father in his Son is also in us as well. Isn't that a glorious thing? The joy of obedience, and then joyful anticipation of home. So then in verse uh, 2, come back to Hebrews 12, verse 2, the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning at shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. This joy set before him, 
It was that one day, soon he would be sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. His exaltation, he would arrive there and uh, be seated uh, alongside his father and his race completed. And so it is with us. He's the perfecter of faith. He's the one who's going to bring us home and keeping our eye on the on the goal, on the finishing tape and being home with the Father. It was a source of joy for him and so it is that same joy is to be for us as well. Here we are, we're enduring and we're uh, we're needing to persevere. How are we going to do that? The joy before us. There's a better resurrection coming. Rico Tice tells the account from the book of uh, 2 Maccabees, chapter 7, of a faithful Jewish mother who had seven sons who were brought before Antiochus Epiphanes. You can meet him in Daniel, in the latter chapters of Daniel. Uh, a terrible uh, opponent of the Jews. And uh, they were urged to recount, renounce their faith. Uh, and these seven sons and their mother, he said that they would have their cum- tongues cut out and their lo- limbs cut off. And each of the seven suffered before the watching eyes of their mother. And she urged them to stay true to God and gain a better resurrection. And the second said this, You dismiss us from this present life, but the king of the universe will raise us up to an everlasting renewal of life because we have died for his laws. And the third, they cut off his hands and he said, I got those from heaven and because of his laws I disdain them and from him I hope to get them back again. Here was their hope in the resurrection. Joyful anticipation of resurrection. And then, who for the joy set before him, I think there's something of this joy in bringing us home with him as well. He longs for us to be with him in his home. I wonder if I can take you back to chapter 2. And uh, the writer of the Hebrews, he quotes again from the Old Testament. Uh, Go back to Hebrews 2, verse 13. He says, Here am I and the children God has given me. Quoted from Isaiah 8, verse 18. Uh, And this is ascribed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here he is concerning his brothers, concerning us, his people, bringing us home. And he's delighted to take us home and to bring us into his Father's presence. And that prospect is before us. It's a bit like uh, when you first take that uh, girlfriend or boyfriend home to meet mum and dad. And uh, you want them to be pleased, don't you? Or perhaps uh, you've got a family and you've got a, a little child born into your family and uh, uh, you want to 
take that child, perhaps to bring the child to church, uh, to your church family, and uh, for everyone to see the new baby and uh, take delight in this new little baby. Uh, and no doubt that happens, doesn't it? And that's great. Uh, and uh, he wants to bring us home to his father's home. And that's going to be his joy, his delight. Uh, And he's going to show his glory to us. John 17 tells us that. Let me just turn that up to you. John 17 and verse 24. Father, I want those whom you've given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. The glory you've given me before, because you love me before the creation of the world. Isn't that incredible? That's what he wants to do. He wants to take us home. He wants to show us his glory. Think of that. Think of what's ahead of us. Can we persevere? Can we keep going? His joy becomes our joy, doesn't it? And then the last thing is, Fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on Jesus' enduring rejection. Look at uh, verse, uh, verse 2. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then in verse 3, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He endured the cross, scorning its shame. It's as if he weighed it all up. How much is the shame worth? How weighty is that shame? And how weighty is the, is the joy that he would have ahead of him? And then he endured Opposition from sinful men or from sinners. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That was tough, wasn't it? It was one thing that he was going to suffer and be the sacrificed lamb for our sins. In a sense, it was another thing to suffer at the hand of sinners. I don't know if you uh, can think of it in this kind of way. If you're going to go for an operation, you're going to go to a surgeon, and the surgeon's going to tell you what he's going to do, and uh, he means this for your good. Yes, there will be some discomfort, there will be some pain, but of course you'll have an anesthetic and... uh, uh, and he'll give you a plan uh, as exactly what he will do and how this will make you better uh, and then the likely course after your operation. But to suffer from sinners and you think of what some Christians suffer in persecution uh, if you read Open Doors or you read Barnabas, Barnabas Aid uh, magazine, and uh, you'll see something of what Christians are enduring and uh, uh, and suffering, and uh, uh, and the horrible things that people are doing to them because they love the name of Jesus. 
in an unpredictable way. They can't gauge ahead and uh, there's not a plan ahead about what, uh, what they're going to be enduring. It's just horrendous and violent and, uh, uh, and uh, vicious and just poured out on them in horrible ways. Uh, and that's what Jesus endured who endured such opposition from sinners. The Roman soldiers were brutal, weren't they? Uh, and, uh, uh, and then the rejection of, the, uh, of his own people, of the, of the people who were the biblical scholars of the day, the, the religious teachers, the priests, the high priests, uh, and the, the scribes and the teachers of the law, they rejected him. There's a sense in which uh, uh, perhaps they could have coped with it. The disciples, perhaps Peter, uh, when uh, uh, he was told about this, and do you remember how uh, he went to Jesus? He says, this is never going to happen to you, Lord. And Jesus had to rebuke him and said, get behind me, Satan. But uh, it was as if Peter could cope perhaps with suffering, but not with uh, uh, all the rejection of the teachers of the law and the high priests and the, uh, and the scribes and the Pharisees and so on. As if that was just one step too much. And that's what he endured. He endured that for you and for me. And I wonder if there's something of a a lesson in that for us. Because are we prepared to suffer for the sake of the Lord Jesus Christ? And I wonder if this is what the writer is meaning by verse 1. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What is it that hinders us in our Christian lives? I wonder if we're afraid of what people think of us or what people might say about us or afraid of their rejection of us. And the sin then that so easily entangles is the sin of pride because it's our pride that uh, uh, we don't want to lose. Uh, and we fear being wounded when we really stand for Christ. And we're living in a day when it's going to be costly to stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's far easier to take a compromising view and, uh, uh, and to go along with, uh, with an attitude of, well, we've got to be tolerant today and uh, let's just uh, uh, not say anything about this and uh, uh, let's... Take the easy course and uh, let's not ruffle things around. We don't want to put people off, do we? And uh, uh, we don't want to be too black and white. Instead of holding to what the Bible really says. And giving a clear message and demarcation what it means to really follow Christ in our day and generation. We fear Loss of face with people, don't we? And that can be a hindrance. And our pride 
would suffer, wouldn't it? Because we're proud people. And we don't want to be those who have to stand alongside Christ who endured the cross, scorning its shame and endured opposition from sinners. What are we going to do? How are we going to do that when things are tough and you feel weary and discouraged because it's all very well to make one stand but it's going to take determination to keep going. And things are going to get harder for us as Christians if we really want to follow Jesus Christ and keep to what he says in his word. Let's run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Whatever race that might be, are you going to keep going? Not throw in the towel, not take shortcuts and cut the line. In the Olympics, in 1984, in Mexico City, the last race was the marathon. And coming in last, which was unexpected because he was actually a world-class athlete and a, a world beater. Had beaten the one uh, beat the one who actually won the race another time was John Stephen Aquari from Tanzania. And he had a bad fall early on and he'd injured his leg and he had to have that bandaged up. He'd injured his shoulder, he'd injured his head. But he kept going. And he was almost an hour behind Waldo who won the race when he came into the stadium. A lot of the people had disappeared, had gone. Many came back as he entered the stadium because it was quite a phenomenon to see this wounded man hobbling along and doing his last lap around the stadium. And he did it. And they asked him, what kept you going? He said this, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to just start the race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish it. And so he did. Our Lord Jesus Christ, yeah, he endured the cross. He endured opposition from sinners. That you might run the race marked out for you. Now you might not just begin it, but that you might finish it as well. So let's persevere. Let's not grow weary and lose heart. Let's throw off everything that hinders, even if it be loss of faith. And let's throw off the thing, sin that so easily entangles even our pride, 
let's run with perseverance. The marks race that mark race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray.